bringing you Grassroots Matters interviews with our host, Sally, from Grassland Nutrition, and special guests and collaborators on the topic of nutrition, and more. All right, let's dive headfirst into this episode. Thanks for joining us today. Sally here from the Grassland Nutrition Team. Today we're talking to OBE Organics Dr. Andrew Blinko, an analytical solver of problems in complex supply chains. Andrew tells us about OBE Organics' story and mission and the inextricable link between our organizations. Delve into the episode. Thank you very much for joining us today. We uh, are initiating our grassroots um, matters podcast series and as part of the launch it makes absolute perfect sense to talk about our backstory and how we came to be working with OBE Organic and how it threads through and is the essence of everything we do because all of our raw product is is sourced from OBE Organic. Um, now I know that we've been working with yourself uh, for some time now. If you could um, just give us a little bit of an intro about um, what you do within the organization um, and OBE Organics mission, purpose and goals, that would be great. Mm. Thanks, Sally. Yeah. So my role is, is an operations manager. So that means I sort of have a, a touch points along our entire supply chain. And I, I find that really an interesting and rewarding sort of role. So our supply chain sort of starts in those outback properties in the channel country in Queensland and South Australia, and then moves through to the processing phase and then the, the boxing of the beef and then uh, whether it's distributed domestically or whether the beef is distributed um, internationally as well. We do export a lot of our beef. Uh, it's um, A lot of it ends up in the United States, also in uh, Asia and in the Middle East. So that's, that's my role, sort of going from working with the ranchers, the farmers, uh, working with the people who truck the livestock, uh, working with the processor, and then our logistics partners, and also having that connection with our customers here in Australia and all the way around the world. So I find that very, very rewarding. Uh, the, the company, um, the company started maybe 25, 30 years ago, um, when organic wasn't really a uh, like a claim that was being made on beef, uh, but there was something different about the beef that was being produced in the production area. Uh, I think our farmers would hear um, comments from friends or whoever might have come out to the properties for barbecues that, you know, this beef tasted different. It had that, that distinct flavour, that grass-fed flavour. And I suppose this is, is something that... Um, I hear a little bit more and more about now is that grass-fed beef uh, has a different flavour and people are remembering that flavour um, from perhaps when they were you know, younger or brought up on, on beef that wasn't um, feedlot or grain-fed. So the, the grass-fed beef has a unique flavour. I guess our um, unique claim is that the cattle are grazing on herbs and grasses that are indigenous to the production area in that channel country. Mm -hmm. So there might even be more of a unique flavour in the beef that um, that our producers are 
are producing. So I think, you know, there were comments a while ago from friends, family that were having barbecues out in the bush with these producers. And then I think the producers realised that they had something unique here and wanted to find a way to separate their produce from the conventional beef market with which it was being mixed into at that point. And so I think it's at that point they realised that organic may be an angle that they could um, could utilise to, you know, to, to carve out their own supply chain. And that's essentially how the um, the company started. There was This was before I was involved with the company, but um, there were a lot of uh, administration and I suppose some bureaucracy that needed to be seen to, uh, you know, organic handling plans and all of the things that we do at each point along the supply chain had to be uh, developed and and agreed to so that the claim that that our beef is organic could be uh, certified and verified. So that that that, that was how it started. Um, and um, I suppose my role now is uh, is it, it, just how it's going through all those export markets. Yeah. Certainly, there's a lot of variety there in your role from what you've described, and it's really quite fast track. You've got multiple touch points. It's really quite jet set as well. So you're going to some really interesting destinations. How many um, producers do you have um, within the organisation now that you kind of work with? Yeah, so I mean, there's there's probably about five core families that um, that we get a lot of the cattle from. Uh, there would be some other families that um, might supply cattle more sporadically, but uh, there's there's a yeah, I suppose you might say a core group of of five families um, out in the Channel Country in that area. And I probably should add that it's that it's um, part of the reason the company was set up is is for the benefit of those farming families. Um, they are our shareholders. So um, when a uh, when yeah, when cattle markets are doing well, when livestock prices are high, um, things are probably going quite well for pastoralists. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably, you know, things change and it becomes more producer uh, processor focused. Uh, so beef prices might be doing well, but livestock prices might not be. And it's a, at that point that hopefully uh, the organic, as it with a, a processor kind of or exporter hat on, can be um, doing well, and then in turn. You know the, the returns from that, the dividends from from that business go back to the the producers themselves. So um, yeah, that's kind of the model as well. Okay. Yeah. No, that's really interesting to know. And um, as you know, we freeze dry beef organs, and we have a whole food nutrition model ourselves. We get the raw product from yourselves and uh, that's shipped to a freeze dryer. Um, and, and then our products um, are a result of that. And we produce capsules and powders and whole food chunks. We're even doing suet now. Um, and we've got our kind of plus kelp um, USP, if you like. So um, are you able to tell our audience a little bit more about how we work together? Um, I certainly, um, you know, 
stand strong and true to the fact that um you know we we believe we're like-minded we've got the similar approach and value system as well and that's why our relationship has kind of stood the test of time um but it'd be i think really interesting for, for people to learn how we we work with one another yeah um so yeah it's it's been a number of years i i, I didn't go back and look at um how long it's been but um i think sorry it was 2018 all <laughs> oh, right okay yes yeah yeah so five years and, and i think what what's really interesting is that um at at the time i think that it, um it was the approach from grassland nutrition was like the first of its kind like we weren't it was at the top so we've always had the organs to try and uh to sell and uh, prior to that i think a lot of the organ meat organs ended up in asia like there might have been some liver uh going to asia there was some liver going to united states as well we were sending some liver to be uh cut into liver steaks in the united states uh, we also did some heart into Hong Kong. There were, I think, there were a few restaurants in Hong Kong that were doing a heart tartare, which um, uh, I, ne- I never, never tried that. But um, but the, the when we started working with Grassland Nutrition, that was the first time where we kind of had more more of a standing order for some of the um, the organs, uh, and and it was a, a a new approach, I suppose. I suppose. Um, you know, like there's whenever there is further processing done to any part of the um, any part of the products that we are producing, that we have to make sure that we can maintain the organic certification in that process as well. So um, that's so thing, things things uh, you know, new ideas come along and um, and new approaches, new product lines um, come along. So uh, yeah, that's that's. Um, that was something new, and and it was, uh, and, and I think it's probably interesting that, that it's, there's been more demand for some um, some organs for freeze drying and and uh, supplements and powders and so on of late. Like it's um, it's something that's become a more common approach lately. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. And and so um, I suppose that that uh, naturally brings me on to um, the market and how how that has changed over time. Maybe if, if there's any kind of patterns that you've seen and um, with that increase in beef organs, you know, why? Why do you think that might be from your perspective? Mm. Uh, yes, it, it it is something that I've seen a, a, a big a big change in as well. Like, and I've just been travelling in the United States and um, and seen some of the retail stores there. And there are a lot of these uh, like supplement sort of products. It's it's uh, there's a section in the supermarkets where a lot of these powders that you might mix into to hot water or sprinkle on a meal or something like that it could be collagen or could be other 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 sort of protein supplements or something like that so mm-hmm. uh even in the time that I've been traveling to the United States for OB, which has been over a similar period like the like since the middle of the last decade sort of thing I've seen that sort of trend uh there as well so I I, I think that People just want to make sure that they are getting all of the extra um, nutrients or, uh, in, in their diet, uh, or they want to top up and make sure that they they're getting the benefits of 
whatever it is that that they're that they're choosing to supplement their um, their diet with, um, it's it's yeah, it's becoming more a maybe not quite mainstream, but it's definitely more of a, uh, an option for the everyday consumer now, especially in the United States, as I've just seen. I, I yeah, I, I don't know that much about other markets, but it's I've seen it in the United States a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and that's that's great. And I think it, um, it, initially it was getting getting the education out that um, although. Um, it seemed to the beef organs seem to have dropped out of favor in kind of Western diets where, you know, you'll remember like your grandparents serving up uh, liver and onions or steak and kidney mm. pie. And we'd be picking those bits out to, uh, to now becoming more, more accessible, a little bit more convenient. And uh, we found that uh, with some of the um, butchers, the organic butchers that we kind of deliver to, they, they opt to have the products um, as, as complementary to, to what they're, to, you know, to the raw, raw meats that they're serving because it hasn't been as uh, accessible for them to get the raw product. Um, so, so, so it's great. We're getting more shelf space in, um, in the multiples in, in the supermarkets as well. And it seems that, um, yeah, there's, there's a bit of momentum growing as well. So it's, it's really, it's really good to see and interesting that uh, you're seeing that in the States as well, because they tend to kind of lead with, um, you know, with some of this stuff. I mean, from, from an Australian perspective and I'm originally English, I've been out in Australia for about 12 years now. Uh, it seems that, um, they're closely twinned um in terms of markets and um trends and you know health um yeah yeah it is it is interesting i mean one one sort of um i don't know curious anecdote is well we get the whole we get the whole carcass to um to pack every week so we process a certain number of animals every week and um of course some of those steak cuts that um we've all heard about like tenderloins and uh, and others are, are you know in high demand and then there's other parts of the animal that are uh, like you know cuts from the foreleg or the hind quarter or something like that that are maybe not as in high demand and i'm sort of sometimes scratching around trying to find places to utilize those cuts mm -hmm. but on the flip side of that sometimes we're fully sold out of some of the organs like we we, we can't produce enough kidney or we can't produce enough liver or something like that. Um, so it's um, it's a curious um, state of affairs when, you know, you've sort of fully utilised on some of these organs, but then some of the muscle cuts or the secondary muscle cuts are still uh, not quite, don't quite have a home. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. And, and that can change week to week. You're not yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes. Could you describe the different types of customers that you have? Yeah, I, you, you spoke about dealing with ranchers earlier, and um, if you could just expand on that a little. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there's a, a lot of our customers around the world are, are retail focused. So, mm -hmm. as as opposed as opposed to food service, as opposed to you know fine dining restaurants. Uh, the, the the retail focus um, in in a lot of the main export markets that we're in the United States through Asian capitals through the Middle East capitals 
Um, and even here in Australia, the, the most of our product is ending up in a retail setting. And part of, I suppose, the reason for that is that we are having production. We are producing beef nearly 52 weeks a year. There is a the yeah the abattoirs typically shut down over the Christmas period. So for all but that Christmas period, we're able to produce beef. And so in a retail setting, you want your product to be on the shelf year round. So uh, that's that's a good thing. And, that, and that's kind of um, that's something that Australia has in its favour. Like um, the climate is such that the beef industry operates year round, whereas there are other parts of the world where it's more cyclical. So. Um, that's that that characterizes a lot of the customers we have around the world. Uh, yeah, there are some places where we are doing some food service kind of settings, like if we're selling into Indonesia and in a place like Bali, then that's a lot of restaurants and so on there. Um, yeah, there's probably one of the other distinctions of the the markets that we have is there's some frozen beef that goes for grinding into. Uh, like one pound ground beef blocks or sausages or hot dogs or hamburger patties in the United States. A lot of it will end up in the United States as as a grinding um, product. But yeah, but for the for those primals, um, they mostly end up in a retail setting. Uh, yeah, the other organ sort of customers that we have, yeah, they they're they're also ending up. Yeah, well, yeah, I suppose I mentioned most most of them before. Just, yeah, there, there have been some liver steaks in the United States and and then Asia can typically take a few other um, odds and ends from um, the organs as well. But, um, yeah, that's that, that's not as consistent, yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, thank you. Um, all right. So um, from your experience and, and our working together, is there anything specific that you'd like to share with the with the audience um, from either, yeah, from either what you've learned along the way in, in your role uh, in line with um, OBE Organics kind of uh, goals uh, for the next few years, or um, anything um, specific that you think might be be of interest in us telling our kind of dual story? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I, so before I worked, was working at OB, I didn't really know too much about beef. I, I, I come from a different background. So a lot of what I've learned about beef and then organic has sort of been entirely during my time working here. Uh, and 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 so you know first of all you learn a little bit about the uh, the, the different benefits of grass-fed beef over um, grain-fed beef and you might might talk about ratios of certain fatty acids one versus the other uh, and then you know the the, the the sort of the organ side of thing became more of a prominent part of our production. And just learning there about the the benefits of um, of, of of organs or the or, or the way that they can be a, a, a supplement to your diet to to benefit um, uh, or promote promote the function of of the corresponding organs in in in, in your own body. So th that sort of learning I've I've always uh, found interesting. Um, uh, but I think it, it's it's 
it's an approach like so grassland nutrition along with a lot of customers that we have and and typically customers that we have a long-term relationship with there's there's a few things that are sort of seem to 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 resonate um i suppose one of them that we haven't touched on so far is we we often find it um, beneficial to be working with other sort of like family-run companies. I think that that family-run companies kind of uh, get each other and and know and know why they're in business together and understand uh, understand what it is to be running a family company. So, and and there's a lot of uh, distributors in other parts of the world where we're dealing with a family-run business, um, and it, it, it's a generally a lot more of an easy experience than. Uh, working with a bigger corporate company, so that's that's one aspect. Uh, it also, when you're dealing with a smaller a smaller company or a smaller partner, it's they they're often have this the, the values are shared, and then also the story wants to be shared. And I suppose it's because um, you know, being a smaller company, seeing eye to eye on a few things means that you develop a trust over a time and you know you, you, you're, the, you're, you're happy to share your story with us we're happy to share your story we're, we're not going to try and cut each other out like or, or do anything like that and perhaps not in so much in our case but in other parts of the world there can be some sensitivity where if I'm if I'm selling to a distributor in a city and they're on selling to a retailer they might not want us to know what retailer that is because they think that we might go and approach the retailer directly and cut them out, but that's that's not what we do. And I think you can we can establish that trust pretty quickly and have a relationship with both the person who we're dealing with, whether it's the the wholesaler or or the further processor or whatever, and and the end market, and and we can sort of work together to make sure that the story of our production area, which is what what we're trying to. Um, promote together is that we have a product that's coming from a very clean, unique production area. Uh, we can work together and perhaps you know use each other's channels through whether it's social media or whether there's other sort of promotional uh, opportunities just to uh, for the benefit of both our businesses. So I think that's that's uh, yeah that that's an aspect that I like about working with Grassland Nutrition and working with a lot of other companies that are of a similar mindset, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot more rewarding, isn't it, to know that yeah. you know, you're all in it together. You're, you know, we're all helping each other out. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, flows a lot better. Now, um, I mean, it has just come to mind, but I, I find that um, I'm always challenged a little bit by um what not necessarily what is meant by grass fed grass finished but i know that you know you, you walk into a retail store and you're wanting to get a, a prime cut um for example um and when you're looking at you can see maybe uh organic grass fed uh you sometimes see organic grass fed grass finished uh gmo hormone free what should people look for uh, when they're when they're looking for your your product? What what are the label stands out that actually guarantees a big big word, isn't it? But that actually give people the reassurance that what they are purchasing is absolutely GMO free, is free of mm. hormones, it is it isn't grain fed. 
Yeah. So, uh, so this the, the answer to this question is 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 more easy to give those guarantees in our export markets because um, there's the the regulations around the use of the term organic is a lot tighter in our export markets. So, uh, in the United States and, and many other places, but but we but we um, we have a, a USDA. NOP, National Organic uh, Program, certification for our supply chain, which means we can um, use the USDA NOP certification. And, and that that sort of guarantees a, a that that that, um, that that supply chain is organic. And I suppose the one important distinction as well, and, and this is, is that organic means GMO free. So, so there are there can be other certifications that will just say this is GMO free. But as part of organic, it has to be free of genetically modified organisms. So, so and and that's something that I sometimes uh, we have to push back on because we don't. So our, our supply chain is uh, is certified organic by a third party. It's not us. It's not the farmers that are saying that our supply chain is organic. It's it's audited annually uh, by a third party, and because of the remote area where our farms are, the annual audit is not a simple undertaking. It's in the remote part of Australia. Uh, to to do that, we have to um, uh, we well, we facilitate. The chartering of an aircraft so that the auditor and uh, can fly around and visit the properties and and even just organising the the way the order in which the the audit run takes place is quite an undertaking. We have to understand where we can go from where where we can get Avgas to top up the plane, where where the auditor and the pilot and there's usually another representative where they can sleep. If they need ground transport, can they get ground transport to to go around to um, look at other parts, other properties that are near there? Now, do you take the products yourself? Do you take the grassland nutrition products? Yes, I have been. Yes, yes. <laughs> I have. I, I um. I, I have the 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 liver capsules, and I also have um have some of. I don't think I have them now, but the liver and seaweed ones. And yes. in the, I've also used some of the seaweed in the past. I, I typically, typically I have them here at the, I'm in the office at the moment. I have them at my desk in the office. And when I come in the morning, I usually take um, two of the liver capsules. That's great to hear, Angie. Do you need some more? <laughs> I, I probably should organise that. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> A big thanks to Andrew for his time and his openness. I learned more about how OBE Organic works with its farmers and how vast the Channel Country landscape is protecting its cattle and ensuring their grass-fed diets across their entire lives. I could go on. Join us for our next episode coming out soon. Thank you for tuning in to the Grassroots Matters podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please feel free to rate, subscribe, or leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you'll come back again for the next episode.